Good evening. Inflation soars. Starbucks workers celebrate a union win. And the city ignores a court order and continues clear-cutting a thousand trees in a beloved Lower East Side Park. With these and other stories, I'm Paul DiRienzo with the WBAI News for Friday, December 10th, 2021. The Supreme Court on Friday left in place Texas's ban on most abortions, offering only a glimmer of daylight for clinics in the state to challenge the nation's most restrictive abortion law. The decision was greeted with dismay by abortion rights supporters, but praised by opponents. Five conservative justices, including three appointed by former President Donald Trump, formed the majority to limit who could be sued by the clinics, a result that both sides said probably will prevent federal courts from effectively blocking the law. The court rules uh, second licensing Texas. The court ruled that Texas licensing officials may be sued, but not state court judges, court clerks or state attorney general Ken Paxton. That seems to leave people free to sue abortion clinics and anyone else who aids or abets an abortion performed after cardiac activity is detected in an embryo around six weeks and before some women know they're pregnant. The Center for, for uh, Reproductive Rights, which represents the Texas clinics, said on Twitter, the Supreme Court has essentially greenlit Texas's cynical scheme and prevented federal courts from blocking an unconstitutional law. We'll be having a lot more on this story on Monday, so keep listening to WBAI. United States consumer prices raced ahead in November at the fastest pace in 39 years, dealing a potential setback to President Joe Biden's spending plans and giving Republicans more ammunition against Democrats heading into the election year. The Labor Department reported costs for key goods and services soared 0.8% for the month and 6.8% for the year, the highest since 1982. President Biden addressed the problem today. It is a real problem. But the point is that has to do with supply chain as well. But it also has to do with the fact that not everybody's looking for a used automobile, but those who are, they're paying higher prices because there's fewer of them because of the COVID and what was sold out and the like. So I think it's uh, it really is. It's a real bump in the road. It does affect families when you walk in the grocery store and you're paying more for whatever you're purchasing. It matters. It matters to people. When you're paying more for gas, although in some states we've got the price down below three bucks a gallon. But the point is, it's not gone down quickly enough. And I think if you look at what most people are saying, most of the economists are saying, this Build Back Better bill is not going to increase inflation. It will diminish inflation. It has a negative impact on inflation. Not a, it doesn't raise inflation. But that's hard for people to think about right now. Because inflation is up and there's a direct correlation in most people's mind. Well, why is inflation? Well, government's spending money. Well, that's not the reason for the inflation. The reason for the inflation is that we have a supply chain problem that is really severe and is causing a significant increase in prices in things that, in fact, are hard to get access to. Because at the bottom, the bottom of it all is COVID. COVID has had a serious impact on the ability to produce a whole lot of necessary products, particularly those imported uh, from uh, from the Pacific and other places. I'll take your question. And start. President Biden today, prices for everything from gasoline and food to automobiles have been surging as blistering demand from cash rich consumers in a growing economy overwhelms the supply chain plagued by a lack of available workers. The cost increases, which are outpacing wage gains and turning Americans' views on the economy sour, have sliced into Biden's approval ratings and made the 2022 midterm elections even more challenging for Democrats. A political economist at St. Mary's College in California, Jack Rasmus, tells WBA 
CPAI, this could mean a disaster for Democrats next year. The official uh, CPI this morning was 6.8%. <clears throat> I think it's more like 10%, uh, especially for uh, median and below income families. <clears throat> it's even more. So it, it is significant. Uh, I do agree with Biden that it's not because of demand. It's not because, as Republicans say, uh, you know, too much money is being given to too many people because of the stimulus bills. That's nonsense. Uh, you know, it's a combination of uh, some uh, global supply chain problems. You can see that in the prices uh, for uh, apparel and cars, you know, car parts and so forth and clothing uh, up significantly. That's a global supply chain issue. Uh, there's some domestic issues involved uh, with supply, with uh, transport and trucking. Uh, but, you know, it's mostly uh, price gouging by monopoly companies here, I think, uh, going on, which is neither supply or demand. A good example is when you look at the big uh, culprits in uh, this morning's uh, report, uh, which is gasoline. In other words, uh, energy, fuel, oil companies, you know, that's like went up 6.1 percent or month to month. Uh, that's that's really big. Uh, and then uh, used cars and uh, new cars. Uh, that's a supply chain problem. But uh, uh, you look at, uh, you know, other other factors here domestically uh, uh the report just came out uh, from congress that um, you know meat packers uh, meat prices up 25 percent uh meat packers uh, uh you know are gouging people and uh, their profit margins are up 300 percent i mean meat packing and meat prices have nothing to do with supply chains it has nothing to do with demand people aren't eating more meat than they were before right and it's not uh, importing meat from abroad and the production has continued. Uh, it never, never uh, declined during during the COVID. Uh, so what the hell is it? Well, it's just price gouging. These monopoly companies can do it, uh, so they are doing it. They're taking advantage of the uh, uh, current awareness that prices are rising, and they're using that excuse to hide behind it, uh, just as the big oil companies are hiding behind the, the big increase in gasoline prices. Are we having a stagnation in the economy at the same time we're having inflation? Is this going to be a redux of the 1980s uh, stagflation economy? We're having a slowdown, I believe, of the growth of GDP in the economy, but it's not negative yet. Uh, we aren't contracting. You see, stagflation uh, means you've got rising unemployment. Uh, at the same time, you've got rising inflation. That's stagflation. Uh, we have a lot of people who are still out of work. They haven't all come back. There's at least uh, 10 to 15 million people, I think, you know, who aren't coming back. Not all of them get calculated into the unemployment rate or new claims for unemployment insurance. Uh, but there are 15 million people who haven't come back to work. Uh, but there is some uh, recovery going on. It's only partial recovery in jobs in the economy. So, uh, you know, stagflation uh, would mean the real economy is contracting and jobs are, are getting worse. Uh, the problem is jobs aren't getting much better, and the economy is not getting much better very fast. But that's not stagflation. Is this uh, the last question? Is this uh, bode badly for Biden? Uh, because you know, if the economy is going bad, it's really bad in elections. The inflation is going to be chronic. It's not going away after a couple months. They've been saying that for some time. So the inflation is is going to be a very negative thing for the Democrats and Biden come twenty twenty two. At the same time, you know, you see the poll numbers falling for these for the party and for Biden because uh, they're just not delivering on what they promised for people. Uh, and now we got the COVID thing uh, you know, resurging again. Um, uh, 
And then you've got, uh, you know, the Republicans in, in the Democratic clothing, um, you know, Manchin and Sinema and others uh, who are doing everything they can to, to thwart any additional stimulus that would grow the economy. Uh, so that combination is uh, a perfect negative storm for the Democrats. And if it continues, which I think it will, uh, the Democrats are going to get wiped out next November. All right. Thanks a lot for that bad news. Appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> That's Jack Rasmus. And we're having a little chat about the uh, future of the American economy and the Democratic Party if they don't get a hold of it. Conservative groups use the inflation data to hammer Biden in the White House. One small bright spot. Many economists agree with Biden. Inflation should ease next year, especially in the areas most noticed by voters, energy and food. Early reports that the Omicron variant of COVID-19 responds well to existing vaccines and is not more symptomatic than Delta. The variant could also reduce fears of a slowdown in the expected full reopening of the economy. And investors are urging Starbucks to respect the workers who voted successfully uh, yesterday to organize at least one local cafe in Buffalo, New York. Signatories include New York City Comptroller Scott Stringer, the Northwest Coalition for Responsible Investment the Sustainable Advisors Alliance, and more. The letter said, as investors, we believe that Starbucks should abide by international standards and best practices and its own words about engaging in good faith with workers to maintain positive labor relations. Starbucks has been accused of union busting. In November, workers filed a federal labor charge accusing Starbucks of illegal activity, like engaging in a campaign of threats, intimidation, and surveillance in response to the union push. The company has denied the allegations. But workers at the Starbucks in Buffalo, we're focusing on the win and we're in a celebratory mood. We want to say to Starbucks, this is not who you are. This is not who we are. Union busting is not this company. We are this company. And we're standing here having succeeded in spite of everything that has been done to try and prevent this. Now the next step in that like Michelle said, is bringing Starbucks to the negotiating table. We have earned our seat and we have proven that we are Starbucks. Workers at Starbucks Elmwood Avenue location voted 19 to 8 in favor of unionizing under Workers United New York, a branch of the Service Employees International Union. Results at a second cafe on Camp Road went for Starbucks with eight workers in favor and 12 opposing. The union also claimed that several submitted ballots were missing. A third cafe on Genesee Street has not been decided due to challenged ballots. Both sides have until December 16th raised challenges with the National Labor Relations Board and subsequent hearings could follow before results are certified. And Julian Assange, the 50-year-old founder of WikiLeaks, is a step closer to being extradited from Britain to the United States after the United States government won an appeal in London's high court. Judge Timothy Holroyd said today that the court allows the appeal. WBAI's Rebecca Miles has more. Thai court in London today overturned a lower court decision blocking the extradition of Julian Assange to the United States, ruling the request was legally valid. The ruling now returns to the Westminster Magistrates Court with instructions to reverse its ruling and allow the extradition to be approved or denied by the Home Secretary, Preeti Patel. 
Assange's legal team is expected to file appeal in the UK Supreme Court in the next two weeks. The ruling includes a decision to continue to hold Assange in the high-security prison in Belmarsh and is a severe blow to the WikiLeaks co-founder's efforts to prevent his extradition to the US to face charges under the Espionage Act. District Court Judge Vanessa Baritza ruled in January that Assange could not be extradited to the U.S. because of the inhumane conditions in U.S. prisons that would make Assange, who suffers from physical and mental health issues, a suicide risk. The High Court accepted this in its judgment. However, the United States, in appealing the decision under the then Biden Department of Justice, gave assurances that Assange would receive adequate medical and psychological care it was the sincerity of those assurances which led the High Court judge to write in, in the judgment, there's no reason why this court should not accept the assurances as meaning what they say. The U.S. attempt to extradite Assange is widely condemned by civil liberties organizations, including Amnesty International, which have called it an existential threat to press freedom. If extradited to the United States, Assange faces a 175-year prison sentence. Rebecca Miles, WBAI Pacifica Radio, New York. Thanks, Rebecca. Assange, who is not permitted to attend the hearing in person, is wanted by U.S. authorities over the publication of hundreds of thousands of classified military documents and diplomatic cables in 2010 and 2011. They say his actions put lives in danger and accuse him of 18 counts, meaning he faces a 175-year prison sentence. Stella Morris, Julian Assange's fiance, said today we will appeal this decision at the earliest possible moment. And you're listening to the news on WBAI New York. I'm Paul DiRienzo. Tenants, clergy, and supporters are planning to march in downtown Manhattan tomorrow, demanding evictions be abolished during the winter months to prevent homelessness, protect New Yorkers from cold weather injuries and related health threats, and keep tenants healthy and safely housed. An organizer of the Crown Heights Tenants Union is Joel Feingold. Tomorrow at 2 p.m. from Manhattan Eviction Court, that's 111 Center Street, to the Department of Investigation's headquarters, the Marshall's headquarters. And then we're going to be marching on 250 Broadway, the city and state office building, to demand that the state immediately ban winter evictions. We'll end at Trinity Church, both historically the city's largest landlord, also a moral authority, or so they say, to demand that they sign on to this pledge and call on the city and state to ban winter evictions. January 15th is the expiration of the eviction moratorium. There are more than 225,000 active eviction cases in New York State right now. And we just simply won't allow our neighbors and ourselves to be thrown out onto the streets in, in the depths of winter. We need to abolish winter evictions forever. It's insane, cruel that we allow the state and the landlords to throw us into the streets when it's cold out. It causes deaths. It causes mass homelessness. And we won't tolerate it anymore. What remedy is there? We are asking for the state to abolish winter evictions before the expiration of the eviction moratorium to pass legislation that ends evictions during the wintertime statewide. When we say winter, we mean the entire season that New York requires the provision of heat. That's October 1st through May 31st every year all throughout the state. Do you have legislators in Albany who are backing this? We are reaching out to legislators and they need to hear our demand. Have you talked to Kathy Hochul, the governor? We are targeting Kathy Hochul. Kathy Hochul will hear from us. Um, and it is our hope and demand that she sign this legislation as soon as it crosses her desk. Is COVID coming to an end so quickly now that uh, we can say the pandemic is over and back to normal? Is that what's happening? 
Even if the pandemic were over, evictions are unacceptable, especially in the wintertime. There's a serious public health risk, not only from the pandemic, but from allowing people to become homeless in the wintertime, from throwing them into the streets. 700 people die a year from hypothermia in the wintertime. 250,000 or more tenants are on the chopping block ready to be evicted this winter if we don't have a ban in place after January 15th. And Joel Feingold is an organizer with the Crown Heights Tenants Union. And on the Lower East Side, to the horror of park activists, workers began cutting down trees in East River Park again early this morning, just two days after the Court of Appeals had seemingly issued a stay to stop the destruction. About five hours later, at 11.30 a.m., protesters clashed with police at the new fence, blocking off the work zone in a wild video posted to Twitter. Police are seen trying to close the gate while shoving away a swarm of protesters. WBAI arrived at the scene to see workers erecting green tarps to prevent a group of activists from viewing the destruction, as some chanted. Are you on the side of ecocide, or are you on the side where nature lies? Which side are you on? I'm asking. Which side are you on? Which side are you on? Neighborhood activist Emily Johnson described the scene. We have a temporary restraining order uh, issued by um, the Court of Appeals uh, from the state of New York. So uh, that has been in place since Wednesday. The construction company, everyone has it. Uh, Today at 6 in the morning, the cherry picker arrived back on site at 7 a.m. It moved here to the north gate at 7.30. They started cutting down trees. Uh, Two park defenders were arrested trying to deliver uh, the trow again to the uh, construction site managers who said, we don't want it. Uh, the police came and arrested the park defenders when, in fact, it is the, uh, the IPC uh, and all of the workers who are doing the destruction who are trespassing and breaking the law. They are in intentional violation of the temporary restraining order. Uh, they are in contempt of court. We have been here all day watching them cut down trees. They have cut down so many trees, and we have documentation of that happening all day long. So what is, uh, can we step back this a little loud? I'm sorry to drag you away. I want, because I want to get this clear on the radio so it's hearable on the radio. So uh, what, what's, what's happening now? What's, what's happening about there? Oh, so right now, um, this fence, uh, IPC, I think as some of you know, is a conglomerate company that doesn't uh, have, we certainly don't trust them to do this job at, at any level. Um, so today they did a massive attack on the park, actually. They um, brought in more workers than they had on Tuesday, the first day of work. They, uh, they employed their workers in three separate areas of the park here at the North Gate at Seal Park and um, further down at the soccer field uh, by Grand Street. And they have been doing as much destruction as they possibly can. The destruction didn't even stop when the park defenders went in to serve the trow. They were still cutting trees. When the cops came, they continued to cut trees all the way through it. They are trying to destroy as much as they possibly can, as quickly as they possibly can. Again, they are breaking the law. We have a temporary restraining order from the state of New York, the, uh, the Court of Appeals. They are in contempt of court. Right now, what's happening is that uh, Lieutenant Anthony Mioli, I think his name is, came here. We took a drive through the park to see where else work was happening. Work was happening, as I said, at Seal Park. Um, We made the tree cutter stop finally at about 3 p.m. But we have evidence right now that 
they are still working and doing cutting and digging at Seal Park. They are not supposed to be doing any work at all. So right now that is happening right now. And I have evidence on my phone. Detective Jen Soto is here. I'm here. Detective Jen Soto is here. I have to go give her this evidence. Okay. As police were arriving, they refused to act on calls that the construction workers were violating the law. We were told that work would stop happening completely in the park. This is happening right now. This is at Seal Park, so work is still happening right now. We were told for this fence to go up that work would stop. Okay, we will send somebody a ride down there. Please do. They're working right now. They're okay. still breaking the law, okay. still in contempt. I have video if you'd like to see it as well. There's a stop order going on. Does that mean they're breaking the law? Yes, it is. So they should be arrested, right? They should be arrested. I have evidence of them working right now. They're not supposed to be working. They're not supposed to be working. They should be arrested. They already know it's what they shouldn't be doing. Why are you not doing anything? We're showing you documentation. They're currently still working. Officer Soto, why are you doing nothing to enforce the temporary restraining order? You're refusing to enforce it. This is wrong. We're asking you to please enforce the temporary restraining order. We're here to give you a copy. We know you have a copy already. We're giving these workers copies as well. Attorney Arthur Schwartz says the city decided they didn't have to listen to the court, at least for now. No telling how much damage they'll do by Monday when they appear in court again. The city decided that the order that that the judge signed in the Court of Appeals didn't stop them from doing their work. They kind of decided to read it as narrowly as possible. And so they called me last night and said, we changed our mind. We don't think that the, the order in the Court of Appeals stops the work. We're resuming in the morning. So we have, so we ran back first today to the appellate division who said, you got to go to the Court of Appeals. We went back to the Court of Appeals who unfortunately doesn't have electronic filing. So we have overnighted a contempt motion against the city, which will be in front of a judge on Monday. But meanwhile, they're going to keep cutting down trees. Is that what they were doing? But they seem to have slowed it down a little bit when I was out there. I didn't see any, uh, 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 but are they going to do it like work night and day? Is that it? You, you know, at this point, it's really the contractor who wants to, this is a guy who's making $1.25 billion on the project. Oh, and he wants to get, he wants to get as much of it in as possible. Um, so who knows if he's going to pay overtime to get guys working or not this weekend. I have no idea. I see. And uh, what do you expect will happen on Monday? I think that I think the Court of Appeals is going to they may not hold the city in contempt, but they're going to make it clear that they want the work to stop until they consider the case. Right. Is this uh, what's uh, just the last question? What's behind all this? What is behind all this? Yeah. Pushing it so hard. It's a mayor who's out of control. De Blasio is out of control. Uh, he is determined to leave his monument that he wants to leave, you know, to the people on the east side is a thousand cut down trees. I don't get it. Uh, I don't know why he doesn't let the legal issue play out, but that he wants to make sure that, uh, that, that this project, even if he's basically making it so that Adams wouldn't even have a chance to reconsider it, because if he gets all the trees cut down by the end of the year, then there won't be a park. Attorney Arthur Schwartz. Another attorney for the park, Defenders, is Catherine Freed, who was the former longtime District 1 council member. 
she says she doesn't think people fully grasp that the resili- the resiliency project is going to totally obliterate every living thing in the park. It's going to be a 50-acre dead zone, she said. Well, it's in two phases, so it'll only be like a 25 or 30-acre dead zone first. And that's some of the news for Friday, December 10th, 2021. The news is produced Linda Perry. Our engineer is Reggie Johnson. From New York City, I'm Paul DiRienzo. Thanks for listening.